0: Well cool sounds kind
1: Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
0: Paws podcast with Scott it's one of those special stinking paws episodes because Liam and Paul aren't here and that was always special as far as I'm concerned but also we've got a special guest co-host of the Real Britannia podcast it's Stephen good morning mate. Morning mate how are you doing well done for remembering <laughs> which, which podcast you're on. I said to you off I wrote it down because usually, this time on a Sunday morning, we're recording a Real Britannia podcast. Regularly, yeah, week in, week out. You know, it's, it's our Sunday morning get-together. And to record a stinking pause, although we've done it previously on two occasions now, in my mind, 10.30 on a Sunday morning is Real Britannia time. Um, yeah. So, what we've decided to do, it was my choice for you, and I wanted to go back back to old school stinking paws podcast what the podcast originally was about was finding old classic movies when charlie and i first started mainly to educate charlie you know you've described it as the educating charlie podcast you know we yes. yeah. and introducing him to classic movies or him thinking do you know what i need to see something off my me list of shame and it was this sort of movie and this, we, mm. and this
2: actually is one that, you know, I'm, I was aware of, mm-hmm. um, the name, but, you know, this is a first-time watch for me. So, you, you know, you've done the educated Stephen um, the, the thing this time round to actually bring one to, to me that I hadn't seen before. So
0: it very much is going back to old school in that, yeah. that sense. I'll be interested to hear your reaction as a first-time watch. I think with this particular movie, it's 1939, it's Only Angels Have Wings, directed by Howard Hawks. I think we mentioned, or I might have said when I was introducing this to you at the end of the last episode when we were together, 1939, generally regarded as the Hollywood golden year. Yeah. When you look at what was released, mate, there was Gone with the Wind, um, Wizard of Oz, Ninotchka, yeah. Goodbye Mr. Chips, Stagecoach, and this, I think, may have just got lost amongst all the great movies that were out there, but it certainly deserves... To be spoken about in the same breath,
2: yeah. It's, it's a type of film that um, kind of has been forgotten. Um, that used to be kind of a a, a staple of, of filmmaking. This kind of thing, yeah. Um, you know, before they got too much into doing westerns and then other stuff, it was you know, it was this kind of adventurer on the frontier type thing, um, and particularly with you know airplanes being new. Um, to an extent it was you know this was a kind of film that was out there and i think you're right about the luminaries that are also released in the same year some of you know some of which starred some of the same people that were in in this oh yeah um and that that you know it would easy against even one of those other films to be um in the shadow um but unfortunately there was a number of you know legendary films to come out around the same time so it's no wonder this one um I think it got it got noticed at the time but i think look retrospectively i don't think it's it's got its notice and is known by hardly anybody apart from genuine film buffs
0: yeah so what we'll do let's take a quick break hopefully i can find a decent trailer somewhere online and we'll be back straight after this
3: Trailer. trailer 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 a South American banana port where men live by their daring and women by their charms. Out of the fog steps a girl with a questionable past and a devil-may-care future. Out of the clouds drops a man with a propeller blade for a heart and an expert's eye for a pretty face. Chorus, girl? No, I do especially. So much the better. The only thing I can tell you about him, he's a good guy for girls to stay away from. Thank you. Remember that. Hey, little, little chum, don't go walking around on it. Not a Well, look. Well, let me look put you down somewhere. somewhere. Look it's at it. it. It's not sprained. Look, I just lost the heel off my slipper. That's all. And I have the darndest mm. luck, losing one heel right after another. It's a clear duck, buddy. So will you? Only angels have wings, created by the wizardry of a master picture maker, Howard Hawks, in the shining tradition of filmdom's mightiest achievements. Uniting in breathless romance, the dashing hero of Gunga Din, Cary Grant, and the lovely heroine of You Can't Take It With You, Jean Arthur, with Richard Barthelmas, making a triumphant return to the screen in the outstanding characterization of his career, Thomas Mitchell in another compelling performance, and glamorous Rita Hayward. he wants to hit the ground to see how high he can bounce oh shut up shut up that's flying you fool that's what you've been asking for isn't it see what you're up against see how much he cares about you about me about anybody you're gonna stay right here i won't let you kill yourself you're gonna do it to keep me from doing it well you're just like all the rest
0: Only Angels Have Wings, released in the USA, 25th of May, 1939. Now, if this doesn't scream out classic Hollywood, I don't know what else does. Directed by Howard Hawks. Written by George Firthman. We'll talk about George Firthman in a second. Starring Cary Grant, Gene Arthur, Rita Hayworth, Thomas Mitchell, Richard Barthelmess that we need to talk about as well. Noah Beery Jr.'s in there in a bit part. Let me give you the synopsis. (laughs) The tagline, big as the fog-shrouded Andes. How about that? Jeff Carter is the head of a crumbling air freight service in desperate need of a replacement pilot. He's forced to hire a discredited aviator who arrives with his wife, Carter's ex-lover. Meanwhile, traveller Bonnie Lee tries to get close to the emotionally closed-off Carter. First-time watch... Liked it, loved it, hated it. I'd say liked it rather
2: than, rather than loved it or okay. hated it. Um, it to, to I'll be perfectly honest that um, when I first sat down to watch it, it I just, the first ten minutes or so, I just I, I ended up having to to stop and start again a while later because I, I think just wrong timing for me sitting and watching it. To be perfectly mm, honest, okay. Um, so, but. When I give it an, uh, another chance to give it a fair going, um, which was the right thing for me to do because uh, it deserved it, um, then it actually started um, impressing upon me better um, what a, a classic it was. Um, it I, I do have a bit of an issue with the part of the plot, but okay. um, but in the main, you know the the um, the performances in it, I was very taken by, and I just I think you recognise before when we've discussed um, around things that um, dialogue, particularly from this era, you can have some incredibly um, witty and, and, and swift dialogue where there's the back and forth between certain characters. And when there's um, the acting talent that they've got in this, you know, with Gene Arthur and Cary Grant particularly, um, it it just draws you in. And, and to be honest, the, the surroundings of it are, are secondary to the fact that there's this this great back and forth going on. Yeah. So that that was that was one of the highlights for me definitely in this that there was that going on. It's the the great adventure, you know, frontier frontier adventure that this is actually ca- encapsulating, which is very much from the era that it was um sort of telling the story of. And I know Howard Hawks, you know, we know that his his big thing was flying.
0: Yes. Um, yeah,
2: awesome. it was it was you know it's, uh, it seems to you know to some extent um, filmmaking was um was secondary to actually his love of flying and and facilitating his love of flying but um this is is capturing i think a lot of the a lot of the true life stories that he um he had a a, a yearning to tell and to these heroes as far as he um captured um and I think that, that that comes across in the film that that's what he's attempting to do and to t- you know, tell these brave men on the frontier. I'm not 100 percent sure the, the the slight plot misgiving I have is yeah. the 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 fact that they would rather lose the the mail that they were trying to transport by you know the planes crashing rather than just delay it and get it there late. They'd rather just lose it in mm-hmm. in, a, in a crash. <laughs> but the peril really I felt in this was 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 not that background plot in a way which was actually meant to be the main plot but was more the the, as you said this disgraced um pilot coming into the situation that interplay of um characters then with his um ex-lover and the um the brother of of an you know one of the um this disgraced pilots um former co pilot and that was more where i felt i felt more dramatic tension from that than i did to do with the the chasing of the contract yeah. Um, in, in my, you know, that was kind of a, um, a McGuffin almost that, you know, in, in the, in the background, rather than that, even though that's meant to be the main plot point, it was the actual interplay of the characters that, that really enthralled me in this film.
0: At the beginning, you, you possibly think it might be a bit of a light comedy, a romantic light comedy, but within the first 10 minutes, it, it turns sharply tragic, yeah, And the tone of the movie just goes up and down throughout because you've got this high drama of the airline plot, but then you've also got this love triangle almost going on at the same time, as you say, which tends to come to the forefront. Did, is, is what you're saying then, you you found yourself more interested in the romantic sort of soap opera angle rather than the the gung-ho action bits that were going on as you said, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I did. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe it could have done with some modification in just saying, you know, that they were trying to deliver medicines, and therefore that's why they had to arrive within a certain time scale rather than just being delayed, sort of thing. But no, definitely, it was, it was the interplay between the characters, the the love triangle thing almost going on, and then this thing with the disgraced pilot and the the his um, former co pilot's um, brother yeah in, the, the, in where there's the drama and the interplay the going on, that was what I was more interested in and and the the, the background of the chess the contract was was really just a, a reason for them all to be there in that situation to be perfectly honest um in in my appreciation of the film um I understand that was not meant to be its focus, but that was where that was yeah, where my I, appreciation came of it
0: Well, I just say when you've got these two elements running together. It's going to be difficult to focus on on one either or both, mm. but I think it works really well. The whole thing, similar to Casablanca, you know, when you've got the whole Rick and Elsa story, but also you've got the you know the the transport visas and trying to get out of Casablanca plot line going on with Paul Henry. You know, interestingly as well, just thinking Casablanca. I mean, Casablanca will be another three four years away, I think, won't it? At this point. Mm. Nineteen thirty nine. People didn't know too much about South America. It certainly wasn't a tourist destination. So, add to that the romanticism and the exotic location, which is something that Howard Hawks does really well—is bringing a group of people together in an unfamiliar situation to us, the viewer. We 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 didn't know, you know, um, what South America was actually like at this point in time, and. Instantly, I think the background and the surroundings become almost as interesting or as vital a part of the storyline as well because, I mean, what's the name? It's Baranka, isn't it? Which I believe may be fictional, isn't it? They don't actually say what South American country this is. No, it doesn't, no. No. And, And that element I liked as well. It's like, oh, Baranka, yeah, 1939, rough and ready frontier town almost where you've got this Dutch guy that's set up not only a bar, but also the general store. And, you know, he runs everything in this one little one-horse town. Well, one donkey town, we could say, couldn't we? Yeah. (laughs) Napoleon the donkey. And Howard Hawks, just going back on what you were saying about the two-headed one-liners bouncing off each other, Howard Hawks, as we know, famous for The Big Sleep, Bringing Up Baby, Rio Bravo, Red River, all of those classic Mm -hmm. classic movies to have and have not generally for a lot of his movies use the same screenwriter who i mentioned near the top of the show here and his name was jules firthman right yeah right listen to this guy's cv as well because obviously he did most of the same sort of stuff that howard hawks did but he wrote the script for the big sleep to have and have not rio bravo the 1930s version of mutiny on the bounty with clark gable and charles lawton Shanghai Express, Nightmare Alley, Blonde Venus, The Outlaw, Jet Pilot with John Wayne. This guy could write a script because a lot of the things that people remember, particularly about, say, The Big Sleep and To Have and Have Not, is the interplay between Bogart and his leading lady, Lauren McCall, in this case. And I think you're quite right to point out that the interplay between Cary Grant and particularly Gene Arthur, not so much Rita Hayworth. We need to talk about Rita Hayworth as well in yeah. a second. But Gene in- Arthur, yeah. Yeah, the interplay between Grant and Arthur is magical. It's, it starts, oh, it's this battle, this battle of wills, you know, that you know they're going to get together. But it's interesting to see the development of how they get together because there's this feeling that he's this brash, uncouth, you know, pilot. And she's got no intention of falling for him. She's got no admiration for him, whatever his values, his morals, whatever. But you just know they're going to get together. You can just see that spark. Literally, it's probably about a quarter of the way into the movie before you realize. Yeah. There's, as you say, it starts out with a more, more sort of
2: comedic, um, romp of, a, um, the interplay between Gene Arthur and two other characters. Cause you know, it's not immediately Cary Grant's on the scene. It's not until, Like you say, about 10 minutes in. Yeah. And, and that, that sort of sets it up. And then there's the, you know, the, the the tragic turn that that changes the, the, the tone of the film. And from that point onwards, you know, you, 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 you're kind of seen in the same way that, um, Gene Arthur's character is seeing with looking at the Cary Grant character, you can see that he's somebody who has this persona, but, underplaying that there's you know there's the um his relationships with women have always been that he's you know he's he's as she points out that he's been hurt by somebody and therefore that's the way he treats women at arm's length and refuses to actually um ask anything of them as it were um and it's the same with you know when he 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 is one of the, the pilots that that dies he's then trying to send money to the um to the sister, yeah, $100. And ma- and ma- yeah, and making up a story that then he gets called out on. And it's that kind of you know, it's showing that he's, you know, yes, I suppose it's in, in a way the archetypal hard man with a, a soft heart sort of thing. But she's back and forth with that. And there are some bits when he actually does show himself to to be an ass and be, yeah. be <laughs> and, and so she, you know, you see what she sees as far as fluctuating with your feelings about. Is he actually a good guy underneath it all, or, or is he, a, you know, a flawed good man? Um, and you know, I think it's more the latter. But you get, you get, you go through that with her. Um, and yes, Rita Hayworth comes in and, and steals a bit, uh, does a bit of ste- scene stealing, really, in um, a small way. Yeah. But I still think that Gene Arthur is carries this through this film has been um, one of the main attractions, uh, along with Cary Grant. You know. Um, Rita Hayworth, you know, comes in, and um, you now if the time she's on screen, then definitely she's a focal point. But well, she's she's not there a lot. No, which I think it's useful to stop yeah. stop there being that distraction too much.
0: Yeah, this is this is early Rita Hayworth. This is before Gilda. This is before the Fred Astaire stuff that she did. You know, the the bits, the the, the movie before she becomes a major star, and. Jean Arthur, at this point, I think we're more used to her appearing in, say, a Frank Capra movie with Jimmy Stewart. She paired up with Jimmy Stewart a couple of times. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, You Can't Take It With You, I think, was another one. So we're used to her in these sort of Capra type comedies. So, not your classic leading lady, but when you look at her back catalogue, the late 30s, early 40s were all about Jean Arthur. She wasn't, Yeah. yeah, she wasn't your. Your classic blonde sex symbol. She was more your your girl next door or or your feisty character as she is in this, but standing up for herself, you know. Great line in this that she says Tell me what was she like? And Carrie Grant goes, Who? She said the woman that made you like this or something. She's she's sussed him out. She's worked out exactly what yeah. Carrie Grant said. And all it, his
2: reply, you know, was like you um as attractive but um and, and almost as smart or something of like yeah. it. Yeah. He's kind of kind of giving her a compliment but still kind of avoiding the question at the same time yeah. is kind of as you say, it's that dialogue that the interplay. There's that
0: yeah, there's that great bit when they're going through the belongings of the dead pilot, and he says, Is there anything you'd like to take? And she picks up a watch and he goes, Oh, you've got a good eye, or something like that. And she gives him this withering look. And I think she says something to him. She turns away and she gives the watch to the the girlfriend who's sobbing in the corner. And and it's at this point you think, are they going to get together or are they not? You know that there's this hatred, this this love-hate type thing. She's not going to get with him. But then over the course of the next couple of hours, because it is sort of, you know, initially it's just that first couple of hours because she's due to go back on the boat at four in the morning. She suddenly makes up her mind to stay and at this point you think okay that's not quite believable because she's only been in town whatever it was four hours or something yeah and she's basing her decision to stay on the fact that Cary Grant shared a drink with her at midnight and told her he fancies her wanted to take her back to his room and show her the photographs and stuff like that (laughs) what come (laughs) to her room and see my actions yeah basically that's what it was like (laughs) come and see they might be one of me as a baby you know my first crash it was
2: yeah, you can at least see me in my birthday suit. Yeah, yeah. You uh, don't say that, but he could. Have done. Yeah, absolutely. it's there's maybe not enough there to to from our side as far as um, men and and the viewers to justify why she she would. I mean, I, I ser- seriously don't think it would be um, that easy for me to get uh, <laughs> g- somebody like Gina to to um, decide to abandon their plans, uh, their entire life plan um, after spending four hours with me. <laughs> But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you know these things happen people we you know, we know people who who have got into a relationship with somebody, and within you know six weeks they're they're getting married, oh and, yeah. And and twenty years later, they're still together with kids and still blissfully in love. So yep. you know it does
0: happen. Um, just not to us. Um, so. <laughs> so this is Hollywood. It's what romantic Hollywood, especially of the golden ages, we say. That's what it was all yeah. about, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It doesn't have to be believable to that no. extent.
2: Well, but you know that feeling because that's what happened with podcasting with you You fell in love with it in instantly but um <laughs> True, yeah. that's, that's your woman but no the the absolutely the, that bit is the the classic hollywood thing of actually turning somebody into a take it, taking a, a a spark of them being involved but i just, i think the difference that there is in this is she doesn't come across as being 100% sure that she does
0: no that's um
2: i think she kind of I think she kind of loves him but doesn't like him, which yeah. is kind of a, a thing. Well, and um, I think that's where, that's where there's that a little bit of trepidation for us watching it, thinking, how is she feeling about him? And maybe she don't, Maybe that's the point. She doesn't know, and that's why she's staying to find out.
0: Yeah. So it's, 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 it's just quite bizarre how that whole thing turns around you know, in the space of an hour because literally over the course of an evening she's, she's witnessed somebody die in a plane crash. They've had a bit of a sing-song on the piano. You know, that's probably where the spark first happens, I think, that she realises that, you know, there's there's a little bit more to this rough and rugged, good-looking guy with the white sombrero and the big baggy pants. That, that, that is some look he carries off, by the way. Yeah. When, when we first meet him with his um, embroidered gun holster and the... <laughs> Not a, not a look you could carry off today, that's for sure. But no, that
2: thing around the piano is, I think you're right that that is a turning point because it's there where she has to actually address um, why everybody else, and particularly him, um, has the reaction that they do to the um, the pilot that's just started yeah. um, and realise that that's, that's the realism of what it is and that's how they have, have to react how in order cope. to be able to cope mm, with it. Yeah. And... Uh, although she's critical of it instantly, um, she I think quite quickly realises that what Cary Grant is doing there is not just being part of that, but leading that as a coping mechanism for people, um, and that that again is a kind of he's been an ass, but for a good reason. He has to be, isn't um, he? and yeah, that's again, it's, it's that it's that changeable feelings aspect that we have all the way through i think with the
0: characters to give you an indication of how often this happens when they've unwrapped you know the belongings i think it's joe the pilot that dies and he turns to sparks and he says is there anything you'd like from here and he says no i've got a drawful full of that junk already just gives you an indication that this is quite a common thing that pilots do get lost doing this job that they do yeah now we get introduced to the Richard Barthelmuss character. Now, this is where the plot really starts, right?
2: Yeah, this is, this
0: is, the in, this is where there's the, 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 the twist. Yeah, the complications ensue now because, all right, the the romantic angle takes a bit of a sidestep here. It goes on the back burner. We don't see Jean Arthur for a little while, actually. You know, she just disappears into the background. And it turns out that Richard Barthelmuss character has come down to the Andes, under a false name, is immediately recognised by Cary Grant. He says, you're not Macpherson, you're so-and-so. And it turns out he's the only pilot that they know of that has bailed out of a crashing plane, leaving his mechanic to die. Is that That's correct, isn't it? That's, that? that's it, yeah. But the mechanic that died happens to be, or happened to be, the brother of the Thomas Mitchell character. Kid.
2: Yeah. Kid who who happens to be um <laughs> older than anybody else. <laughs> for, yeah, you just seem just one of those um one of those um ironic names that either he started out as being the kid, he's been doing it so long that he started out doing it when he was a kid years. and that nickname stuck with him. Yeah. Um, you know, like Kid Jensen and a DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um or, or it's an ironic one, you know, um like member from some of the um the disreputable comedians of the, of oh, the past where they had, um, you know, referred to their black friends as Chalky and stuff. It's the yeah. ironic name. I you know. Or you have um, Curly Watts, who had very straight hair, you know.
0: That's <laughs> um, true, yeah.
2: So, it's, so whether it was an ironic name attached to him calling him a kid when he was actually old, because he, said, he actually mentions at one point he'd been doing it for 20-odd years he's been flying, which yeah. – Shows they're not trying to pass him off as being somebody younger than he is. They're actually acknowledging his age. But yes, it's it's his character that then hinges upon, um, along with the issue with his eyesight. Again, another Um, another
0: little plot twist that you know it's just little bits being thrown in every five ten minutes when you think something's resolved or they're going to continue and develop something else gets thrown in you know his failing eyesight then becomes an issue (laughs) but i
2: think that has interplay with the interactions later on with the the disgraced
0: pilot i think
2: there's there's that how it plays out there's a reason for it Yeah.
0: yeah yeah and it's great to see thomas mitchell i mean we know him best as uncle billy in it's a wonderful life yeah. And I was just thinking, 1939, we mentioned Gone with the Wind and Stagecoach. He was in those as well. He, um, yeah, Gone with the Wind, didn't he? Play Scarlett O'Hara's father? Yeah, was it? And, and then, he's, yeah, he's one of the guys on the Stagecoach in Stagecoach. It the same year, three classic movies. That man's a bloody marvel. Was, was he on Stagecoach? Was he, um,. Was he, Do, was he Doc or was it the other fella? Yeah, I think he might have been Doc. He had the little round glasses, right. didn't mm. he, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you think about that, three of the biggest, well, not so much this yeah. one, but we, we think it deserves to be one of the biggest movies of the well, year. Well, it was Oscar-nominated, this one was, so, you know. Well, there was, you, go. There you it go. go. It was in there. This um, is the thing as well, because Howard Hawks's previous movie was bringing up Baby with Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn. And I didn't know until I watched a little documentary on on this particular movie last night. Bringing Up Baby at the time wasn't a massive hit. It's become more of a classic and more revered as the years have gone by. And Hawks was desperate for a bit of success, to be honest. And and he took a gamble on, like, doing, right, I need a big action romantic movie. And I think it paid off because I'm I'm pretty sure this was fairly successful. It's just got lost in the mists of time. Yeah. I think it was successful, yeah. Mm. We can't see it not being, you know, you've got Cary Grant, who was probably Flavour of the Month at this point, proving that he can do comedy as well as action and romance. Jean Arthur, as I say, was Capra's favourite, so she was fairly well-known. Not so much as, say, Rita Hayworth. This was, up to this point, Rita Hayworth was probably playing bit parts and she had this sort of, like, more sultry Latin look. Yeah, um, And it's at this point that she starts to let her hair down and becomes more American and more glamorous, I think. Um, and it's not long before, you know, eight years' time Gilda would be the biggest, biggest movie that she would ever do. But she starts getting the leading roles after this point. She's not third or fourth on the bill after this movie. Just noticed as well, Dimitri Chomkin was the composer, I mean, I didn't really notice too much about the music, the score. Did did that figure anything?
2: I think, uh, well, I think that not the score so much, but I did actually notice that I think, for me, they in, did an incredibly good job of using um, sound in the films, uh, the film um, yeah. with, you know, there's obviously there was a, a plot point that actually referenced uh, using the sound of the planes to guide them in through the, yes. the, the fog. But I think... Elsewhere, I think the you know the they used sound well in this film. I think the, maybe not music didn't stand no. out for me, but but the, the use of sound did.
0: And and coupled with that, you saying about the sound of the planes and that this movie has the most marvelous nineteen thirty nine model special effects shots. Hmm. Yeah, but absolutely fantastic. You can see the strings on the planes. You can see the little little plastic figures flying the planes. But it looks f- superb. It's, it, it, it's definitely a model. It's definitely like probably only about eight or nine inches long, this aeroplane. But I just loved it. It could, it could it quite easily have done one of those really dodgy green screen type things, but the, they went full hog with the model shots and it paid yeah, off. And,
2: yeah, I think for the time, I think, that, you know, the, this is um, state of the art and done <laughs> yeah. uh, with great finesse, to be honest. Um, given from where things are at the time with special effects, this this was pushing the boundaries in a, in a way. Uh, people would and I wouldn't be the... surprised if if there wasn't a influence of some description, um, some vague uh, influence with um, Star Wars and stuff with the you know, special effects that were developed there you go. for that. Yeah.
0: So, Certain people would say oh, that would ruin <laughs> the movie for them. Oh, look at that, that dodgy old special effects there, blah, blah. But I think that's part of what makes this movie or a movie of this time so magical anyway you know that they were being creative as, as you said even the airplane itself has only been flying 20 years up to this point you know <laughs> when when the movie was made well um, she
2: references does not she um the G- gina hmm. says um at one point about the the fact that airplanes are all new to her and all this kind of stuff and you probably you know she's probably never been in one she's been on ships and stuff traveling around between the different places she's been doing the um the cabaret act or whatever but but she's probably never been in a plane and and so few people you know will have been at that point so
0: yeah this was a bit confusing as well what was her specialty act do we know um (laughs) i'd like to think she was a stripper but she probably (laughs) wasn't She said that was obviously music was part of it because she played piano at least. Couldn't yeah, she? So. and her dad was a trapeze artist. I like that bit as well. The link that her father always took risks because he was a trapeze artist that never used a net. They make a reference to that, don't they? Because Cary Grant is the one that always takes the risks. He will take the jobs that yeah he, he thinks none of the other pilots should do. Yeah, um, but then interest, interestingly, because of Richard Barthel, background, he pushes those jobs onto him. Can I mention one other thing? Bombing condors with nitroglycerin. (laughs) (laughs) We get a bit wages of fear here, don't we? They're transporting nitro Again, another plot point that doesn't necessarily have to be there, but let's put a bit more peril in here somewhere. I know what, let's transport a crate load of nitro. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's poor old... um, Who's the guy that's up in the lookout? Is it Tex? Tex, Tex? I think. Yeah, I think think he's referred to as Tex. Yeah, Tex and the donkey, Napoleon, (coughs) instructs him to, like... He says, if you want to get rid of some of that nitro, there's a nest of condors. (laughs) (laughs) And you actually see it again. It's a a very large model shot with real birds, I'm assuming. And they blow it up. Mm. Because you see the birds actually fly off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. All parts of this, I mean... From the drama, the romance—it's Howard Hawks. We know is a great director, and, and we've already pointed out that the scriptwriter is of equal—you know—should be equally applauded here. And I just love the fact that you know you watch a Howard Hawks movie. That <laughs> something they said on the documentary—it's about a typical Howard Hawks movie would be a setting where there's a group of people, and it focuses on a group. Particularly, say Rio Bravo, where they're all in the jailhouse. Yeah. Or Didn't he direct the original, The Thing? Didn't he? I think. Well,
2: it's it's people being forced together in a situation. Yeah. Really, or, or are kept in a confined situation. Um, you know, for for a time period, mm. and it's that intensity of the interaction because they're they're kind of kept um, in in that place together, um, and that is the common thread, yeah, between yeah.
0: a lot of his films. I think he did do the. The Thing oh, from Another thing. World, wasn't it, I think, think, so. think it was called. Yeah. And, and the thing is, with this movie, we learn enough about the people we need to know about and all the background characters who are competent and actually play a part in the story, we don't know too much about them, but we don't need to. We, we get lovely little lines that, that just reveal people's character through just one sentence or one line. Like you said, there's some great... Sort of like one liners and backhanders, And um, Here we go. There's one I want to... Th- Bonnie says to Kid... And this gives you a perfect example of Cary Grant's character. Bonnie says to Kid, Say, isn't that girl the one he used to be in love with? And he says, Bonnie, when it rains, every third drop falls on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that just instantly tells you in the space of two lines... What Carrie Grant's past was like. Yeah, it's like he's
2: saying, uh, "What was the, um,
0: what was the girl that made you act this? Uh, mm.
2: That girl that made you act this way? What she, she, did she do? And she was she was a whole lot like you, just as nice, almost as smart." So, oh, chorus girl she says, "Only by
0: temperament." Only by temperament, brilliant. Only <laughs> <laughs> by temperament. Yeah, yeah. And even when um, Rita Hayworth is drunk. And she says, quick, close the door. Judy's lost her equilibrium. You know, it's just a great <laughs> life. <laughs> all round, this this movie, I mean, you, you liked it. It's not going to be up in your top 20 movies of all time. No, no, but, but it, I did like
2: it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, as I say, I to give it a, a, a second start, just mm. because of, of me picking the wrong time to watch it, I think. And But it does have a different um, element to it for the first several minutes yeah um, maybe maybe 10 minutes until there's that turn um it does make you think it's going to be a a different kind of film all the way through
0: it's about three or four different movies when you look Mm. at it there's there's just everything thrown in here expert filmmaking from howard hawkes expert acting from all concerned i mean thomas mitchell doesn't get the applause that he deserves that man is just incredible i love him to bits and and Cary Grant, even Cary Grant, we're talking 1939, this is still early in his career. Oh I guess. yes, yeah, yeah. But he's proven to be, you know, the perfect leading man. This is why Hawks loved him, you know, Hawks had him in, in several of his movies. Hitchcock, you know, that they, they saw something in Grant that okay, he could do the romance, but he could also do the action, look at North by Northwest. you know, Gunga Din I think was the year before, like a proper rip-roaring action movie. And there's also a bit of a dark side to him as well. You, you see it here, you know, because he's the hard-nosed aviator. But then you also see a dark side in, in, say, Notorious or something that Hitchcock would have done. So there's many facets to Cary Grant as an actor. And, and this is the perfect vehicle for him at the time, I think, 1939. I couldn't... I, I can could imagine Clark Gable doing it, but I think Cary Grant is absolutely superb here.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think if this was done... Um, I could I could actually see this being done 20 odd years later mm-hmm. um uh, you know, or maybe yeah 20 25 years later yep. being done with John Wayne in the lead part yeah. and been you know directed by John Ford or whatever yeah. um and that you know because it, it's that sort of archetypal story in that in a way yeah but I think the way that Howard Hawke has approached it and with the cast that it's got um I still think this is you know a, a preferable uh, vision of it than what it could have possibly been in different hands
0: It's it's been forgotten generally or overlooked um, because mm. 39 as we say was a busy year on Letterboxd I've given it 4 stars out of 5 it's not a perfect movie but it's certainly a cracking movie I love well, it
2: I, I think the other thing why it's been Maybe slightly overlooked is because some of the awards it was up for mm-hmm. were were things that the award ceremonies didn't go ahead. I think if I remember from reading yesterday about it, yeah, uh, it was up for some awards for Cannes uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, but which didn't go ahead because, because of the war. Um,
0: yeah.
2: So it missed out on getting some accolades that might have kept it in more in the notice historically than it, than it has done. But no, I'm glad, I'm glad you know you've got the, the that. Re- rating on letterbox to to stand by
0: i'm I'm definitely sticking with it but for yourself your rating system sir um it's not one that i would say
2: people need to rush out and 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 find but i would definitely say that they should take the opportunity to watch it when they uh, come across it because it does have a place in in cinema history and it does have a lot of elements to it to hook you in Um, and i mean particularly the ending i mean the the that last scene Ah, puts, the, the a, a, puts a final nail in it that actually makes me go, "Yes, I like that film." Yeah, and um, that that last very last scene actually confirmed it for me, um, thankfully. And so, on that basis, you know, I you know, watch it, watch it all the way to the end, and then then you, <laughs> then you, you get a get full, full, mm-hmm. full appreciation of it, um, because it all comes together then.
0: I think um,
2: so. Even even though there might be some bits part way through, you're thinking, "Well, what's that about?" And and it's not some great. It's not some like Pulp Fiction thing Where there's all the elements Brought together And, <laughs> and it's all very contrived Like that It yeah. just It just Fits together And makes you feel It's a it's a complete film where, When you get to that end point um, So yeah I'd say people You know Catch it when you can Because it's worth Worth your,
0: your watch Certainly Just over two hours long Certainly worth two hours Of anybody's time Yeah Okay mate Let's leave it at that For the moment We're going to invite you Back on again For another episode So Let's take a break and we'll find out what we're going to be watching together next time.
3: And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way.
0: Now then, next time on The Stinking Pause will be an episode featuring myself, Paul and Liam. Did you know that Only Angels Have Wings, Stephen, was our 199th movie review? Wow. Yeah, six years down the line, we've recorded nearly 200. So for our 200th movie review, we've already recorded this episode. Liam, Paul and I got together last weekend around at Paul's flat and we watched Rocky from 1976. So we've selected that for the 200th movie. Good, good. Yes, and we've got a few more lined up. I think we've got American History X is coming up very soon. Oh, brother, where art thou? I like both of them. And The King's Speech, I think, will be coming up. But next time, when you're on the show with myself, it's your choice. What have you got for us, mate?
2: Right, well, I'm taking us forward a couple of decades to uh, 1955. Mm -hmm. And um, another um, sort of legendary director um, in the form of John Sturgis, um, John Sturgis um, or Preston
0: Sturgis? Eh? Uh, uh? John Sturgis or Preston Sturgis? John Sturgis. Alright, I know Preston Sturgis. I'm trying to think what John Sturgis done. Go on, nineteen fifty five. It's not Marilyn Monroe. Not Marilyn Monroe, is it?
2: No, it's not, no, okay. but it's got um uh, it's got a, a couple of big names in it actually, but um it's uh starring Spencer Tracy.
0: <laughs> it's not um, the one where he's got one arm.
2: Yep. But uh, BlackRock, excellent! Oh,
0: fantastic!
2: <laughs> I, I wanted you and you and Charlie to, to This was in my mind, wanting you and Charlie to review this about four years ago. Yeah, and um, never really got it pushed upon you. And um, the time's gone on that. And I thought, right, well, now I've got the opportunity to Ooh. to review it with you. I'm going to go for it because um,
0: absolutely, I think beauty. it's
2: it's about time this got got a, a watch. So, oh, I'm not, any... not surprised you've already seen it, to oh, be honest. i it. it's, it's it's yeah, oh, I think sure. it's well worth um, oh. us, us bringing to the table now. Modern
0: day Western, if I remember, almost, isn't it? And I think it's got it's, very young Dennis Hopper and Robert Ryan. It's, it's, yeah.
2: it's a weird one. I don't get too much into the review of yeah. it now, but it's kind of a, a Western film noir yeah it's it's kind of it's, <laughs> it's weird idea. like that it's a film noir set in the west kind of thing and um yeah it's uh, oh. i think it's it's a, a an odd film in a way but uh in in other ways it's um it just works it's so a so yes
0: movie. Can, can we record this tomorrow so i can watch it now <laughs> <laughs> again that was on my wish list as well back in the day the early days of stinking paws to bring to Charlie, funny enough, it was it was there on the waiting list, very near the top. Oh, you absolute beauty! Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, that wraps it up for this special episode. Join us next time for the 200th movie, which I say will be Rocky. Stephen, looking forward to you coming back. Thank you very very much for chatting all things Cary Grant and Howard Hawks with me this morning. It's my pleasure. I'll see you very soon on The Real Britannia. Will do, yes. Marvellous. (laughs) See you soon, mate. Take care. Take care.
1: The management of this theater suggests that
3: for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending.
1: Astrid Arms, stupid, Infernal Jamboree, it's worse than two cats on a fence! You dudes get lost now, here. Good night, ladies! Good night, sir! When you feel down, try, positive thinking. What I told them and said Don't wear a frown Try positive thinking Laugh at your troubles instead You've got to look On the bright side On hope so much defense. With your confidence thinking Positive thinking Helps you on the way my friend When things look black Try positive thinking Read every season of spring, no glancing back, try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring, this crazy world that we live in, we'll keep on spinning round, but with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. All shut out, we enjoy it.